0: Greetings to each one here this morning. It's uh, good to see each of you here. It's a real blessing to see our visitors. And uh, just want to bless you for being here with us this morning. And Just uh, invite you to worship with us. Turn your hearts to the Lord Jehovah. <clears throat> Before we begin here, let's have a moment of prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for all these Many blessings that we have right in our hands, and sometimes we take them for granted. Lord, help us to open your word this morning, find blessing and comfort, strength and courage to make it through the coming week. Bless our visitors for coming to be with us here this morning. Give them the desires of their heart too, Lord. Thank you for them. Just guide my tongue here this morning that I can say what you want me to say. In Jesus name I pray amen <clears throat> I don't know if this has ever happened to you or not but uh, when these young brothers come up here to read a Bible passage I was tempted to switch my message <laughs> brother I uh, really uh, appreciate this little chapter here in Isaiah 12 it's just uh, there's so much in there and it just is such a blessing I'd just like to look at a few things here <clears throat> The Lord Jehovah is my strength, my song. He also is become my salvation. If that don't uh, put a spring in your step, nothing will. It's uh, <clears throat> And in verse 6 it says, Cry out and shout, thou inhabitation, inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. <clears throat> yeah, I appreciate that. It goes well with what the Lord has laid on my heart. This morning, I'd like to uh, talk about a Old Testament character. We've heard uh, quite a few of these these uh, messages. Like here a while back, we had a message on David and Goliath, and I think we can bear one more here this morning. But I have a <clears throat> I have a hero that has really been a challenge and a blessing to me over the years and is found in Joshua 14 and his name is Caleb. <clears throat> and the title of my short meditation here this morning is Give Me This Mountain. <clears throat> we all face mountains, but these uh, these mountains were a little bit special here for, for Caleb here in... Uh, In Joshua 14, they had come to the land of Canaan and uh, they were uh, dividing the land for the inheritance of the different tribes. And here's a man that had uh, come up through the whole journey of the wilderness. He was apparently older than most of his brothers that were around him. In fact, here it says he was 85 years old. He was one of the spies that went to spy out the land. You know the story better than I do, probably. And he... um, But when they had... When the spies had had come back and there was a, a, a good report and a bad report and the people decided to go with the bad report that there are too many giants... Even though the grapes are so big, it takes two men to carry a cluster. And there's milk and honey, and there's lots of blessings there. But we can't inherit the land because the uh, the giants are big, and the walls are high, and, and, and we can't do it. And Caleb and Joshua were the two that said we can. <clears throat> and, you, and you know how the story goes, that God decided that, okay... If you rebel against me, you won't see the land. Only Joshua and Caleb were allowed to, to be, live long enough to actually go into the land of Canaan then. <clears throat> but Joshua here made a request to, or Caleb made a request to Joshua as they were dividing the land, and he said, You know, I'm now 85 years old. But my strength is like it was when I was 40. And God told Moses that I should inherit that Mount Hebron where I walked on when I went out to spy out the land. He said, that's supposed to be mine. God, God told Moses that that land that I walked on is supposed to be mine. And so I make this request that give me this mountain, <clears throat> and when you when you study into that, there were still some pretty big giants. I think there were there were as many walled cities on that mountain as there were forty years before and uh, and so Joshua gives him that mountain, <clears throat> and Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb and his descendants. A side note to that. Hebron today is controlled mostly by the Muslim people. There's only, uh, I think are only around 500 Jews there and a hundred and some thousand Muslims. And according to what I could find, there's only a small handful of Christians. At one time there were only three in Hebron and they were custodians cleaning the Russian church I think they'd gone there as as servants just to be there but there were only three at one time I'm not sure what it is today but it's a very small handful of Christian people are in Hebron and the most of them are Muslim maybe it's time Caleb's descendants took over the land again I'm not sure but anyway that's not my point here this morning Hebron is a type of, of uh, hard things in our life. And Caleb, at 85 years old, wanted to take over that mountain. And he said that if, if the Lord so will, I, you know, this is not a real problem. I mean, we can overcome them. And I think that, uh, you know, if you just imagine a little bit, 40 years before, 45 years before, when he came back and with the good report that we can do it. There were probably older men in the crowd that said, yeah, you're young. Wait till you're my age. Maybe you'll see things a little different, huh? You can only imagine that. Well, now he is their age. And he still says, no, give me this mountain. With God's help, we can overcome that. So what was his key? I think he had a real faith in God. He had a really, uh, we can do this attitude. But it came from his faith in God. You know, his strength at 85 is quite impressive. He says in verse 11 there in chapter 14, he says, I am as strong this day as I was when Moses sent me at 40. Well, I, I don't believe that Caleb spent his, his days at the gym pumping up his muscles and making sure that his strength remained and I don't think he had any different genetics than his brothers and cousins that died in the wilderness. I don't think that he, he uh, <clears throat> did anything special. I don't think he, he ate special herbs or whatever to maintain his strength at 85 when all of his, his brethren died 20, 30 years before that. Plus, they, they were in the wilderness, um, stressful situations. You know, <laughs> camping with a million of your, your friends would not be an easy thing. You can only imagine the stress that they went through. <clears throat> but here he is, 85, and he's as strong <clears throat> I'm sure he he didn't shy away from the hard things. I'm sure that he, with his attitude, I'm sure if there was something hard to do, Caleb probably was the one doing it. I mean, obviously. I mean, it's very convicting when you think about <clears throat> how that, you know, he, he wasn't afraid of hard work. I mean, I'm sure he kept his body in shape and whatever, you know, we have a tendency now to think, well, how can we do this easier? You know, I mean, I myself have have a motto that's work smarter, not harder. I mean, there's always an easy way to do everything. If nothing else, get a get a skid loader to do it. You know. And I think sometimes we do shy away from hard work, and it's it's to our detriment. Actually, if we shy away from hard work too much, our body is designed that if you don't use something, you eventually lose it. And also he said that uh, my strength now, and even so is my strength for war, both to go in and to go out. I think he was also mentally able, emotionally able to go out and be a captain of the army you know his mind was sharp and he was able to make decisions on the spur of the moment under much pressure <clears throat> and i think you know it came from from the way that he exercised himself in those things but there's something deeper there's something much deeper that that helped him prevail through these many years and it's found in numbers I'm not going to turn there, but in Numbers 14 24, after that the spies had come back and they had decided, or they had convinced the, the majority of the spies, had convinced Israel to not go into the land of Canaan because of the giants. And Moses there was talking to, or God was talking to Moses in chapter 14, verse 24. <clears throat> And he's telling Moses that the one that that provoked me will not see the promised land. They just will not see it. But he says in the next phrase, he says, But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereunto he went, and his seed shall possess it. Did you catch that? He had another spirit within him. And he followed the Lord wholly. You know, I mean, we we, all of us would like to have that other spirit. And sometimes we pray for the spirit of God to come upon us. And that is a great thing. And I think the spirit of God in the New Testament age is a wonderful thing. And it helps us and enables us to do great things. But I think what he was talking about here with Caleb, and I'm sure that he, you know, following the Lord, he, he did have, I think he did have the Holy Spirit within him. I mean, that's a possibility, and I'm not going to argue with that. And I'm not going to cut this apart to make it say something that it don't. But basically what Caleb had, was another way of possessing his thoughts or processing his thoughts. Think about that for a minute. He saw those giants and he saw those high-walled cities. Just like all the other spies did, but what he did with those things, he saw them through the lens of the power of God. It's the same thing that David had when he faced Goliath. It's the same thing that Paul had when he faced the stones. It's the same thing that Stephen had when they martyred him. It's the same thing that you and I can have when we face something hard or something impossible. It's the way we look at it, and it's the way we process those thoughts Sure, I mean, I don't want to minimize the power of the Holy Spirit within us, but I think the the <clears throat> there's too many times we would love to be a different person if God would just do it for us. You know what I'm saying? who wouldn't want that, and we pray for that, you know, take away my anger, take away my other mountains, take away my my bad attitude, take away my impatience, take away my My, 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 whatever. You put in the the blanks. And we would love for God to take that away. And God will help us put off those things. But I think we're supposed to put them off. and, And it's the way we think about those things we all face mountains we all have mountains in our lives today we all of us face different mountains and we look at them in different ways and i'll just be so honest to say one of the biggest mountains or one of my big mountains is the cold i i just don't appreciate the cold and we're here at the time of the year when it's starting to get cold and i you know, and if I don't watch myself, I all I can think about is my dead body frozen hard and stiff under a tree somewhere. And you know, I just know I'm going to freeze to death sometime and and it's just you know, and it's hard. It's hard and and you just dwell on those things and you process your thought pattern under, with that in mind, then the first thing you know, the, the more you don't like it, the more you hate it. And the more you hate it, the more you don't like it. And, first, and that's the first thing you know, it's the only thing you can talk about. And every time it gets a little cold, you just get the shivers and, 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 and on and on and on. But according to, the, according to Paul in Philippians chapter 4, he's talking about that we should control our minds. And I think this is one of the great things that Caleb had, is he had full control of the way he thought about hard things. And when he saw those giants and he saw those mountains, he didn't see them as impossible mountains. He saw God over them. Like, God, you sent us here. You're giving us this land with clusters of grapes this big where two men had to carry them on a staff to get them out of there. One cluster of grapes on a stick between two men. Only imagine the the grapes. And by the way, even Hebron today is still known for the large grapes. I thought that was great. That that was just kind of a reminder of the greatness of that land. But when we start thinking about If we just let our minds run wild and our emotions run wild with whatever we face, the first thing we know, we'll be down in the dumps and we'll just like, I can't make it another cold day. And you start thinking, how can I get out of here before the winter comes? And then the next person says, I can't wait for it to get cold. You know, I mean, I just love the snow and we can go sledding, we can go deer hunting, we can... We can do this, we can do that, we can cut firewood, we can we can. We can have it cold. I mean, you know, it's better to be cold than hot. And it's what's the difference? It's the way that one person processes his thoughts on the subject and it's the way the other person processes his thoughts. Now, I'm I'm not trying to preach positive thinking here, but I do know that it makes a difference how you think about things. I remember a quote that I read many years ago. It says, how did it go? Something about, you are not what you think you are, but what you think, that's what you are. You catch that? It's what you let your mind roll into that's where you're going that's the direction you're going <clears throat> i think sometimes our our um, you know we call, we blame it on our genetics we blame it on our freundschaft you know we blame it on our ancestors or where we came well i'm this way because dad was this way and because my grandpa was this way And that's probably partly true because those attitudes about things roll off on the next generation real easy. In other words, if your grandpa was a worry wart, you'll probably be one too because it comes downhill. Not because you're just primarily the same genetic makeup as he is. And that might have a little bit to do that, but I think habits... Habits rub off on our children and our grandchildren way faster than we ever think that they do. But I had a grandfather that worried about everything. And the doctor even told him, he said, "Ah, It's really doing a lot of good, Dan, because everything you worry about don't happen. You must be really doing a lot of good with that. And what he was trying to do is get him to understand that he's killing himself with his worry. And he... Ironically, he died at 64 of a heart attack. My mother had a sister that was the same way. She worried about everything. She was so stressed up and her stomach in a knot every single day about every little thing, and she tried to control everything and just. And before she hit 65, she was in her grave. And so I have a tendency to worry about things and I'm like, yeah, I have to because my aunt did it and my grandfather did it and I don't have to. And if I want to live beyond 65, I need to quit looking at things through the same lens that the Glicks looked through them. (coughs) Although, bless her heart, my mother wasn't a worrier. (laughs) <laughs> and she's still alive at 85, 80. She turned 80, yeah, 80 or 81. <clears throat> but there's something in your body that if you, and, and it is a God-given hormone that if you are under stress, you, it, it dumps energy into your body. And it's the same thing that God designed you with that so that if when you are in danger, you have more strength to get out of the way. But if you have lots of stress in your body and you live under constant stress and worry, your body produces a hormone called cortisol. And most of you probably are familiar with that. But cortisol will kill you if you have too much of it. But you couldn't live without it. You gotta have a little bit but you don't have to have it every day. And if you have it every day, your muscles become you, you just your body wrecks, and it comes from many different things. But uh, yeah, anyhow, it's kind of an interesting study. Study that sometime about the hormone of cortisol, <clears throat> and you want to you want to keep it to a minimum. You need some, but you don't need to live on it. that's what happened I think that's what happened to my grandfather okay turn to Philippians chapter 4 in closing here I'd just like to read some really beautiful passage here the antidote for all these things an attitude that will let you look at a mountain squarely in the face and say give it to me Lord I'll take this mountain and if you help me, I can overcome it. <clears throat> and you can, you can name your mountain. Is it, is it worry? Is it stress? Is it a bad relationship? Is it unforgiveness? Is it overcoming a hurt? Is it the cold? Is it the heat? You can overcome it. I'm just going to read Philippians chapter 4 here. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Eodius and beseech Sentici that they be of the same mind in the Lord. I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel and clement also and with others. other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. If that's all that we had, that would help us. Right there would help us overcome any mountain that faces you. Just an attitude of rejoicing in the Lord always. And verse 6 says, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Can you be a warrior and practice, verse 6, I say no. Can you overcome a mountain if you don't practice, verse 6, I say no. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. You know, if we would print that out, verse 8, if we would print that out and tape it to our refrigerators so that we could see it in big bold letters every single day, and if we would process, learn to process our thoughts through this filter, what would happen with our giants in our mountains? We could easily overcome them with the power of God. <clears throat> verse 9, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do them. I think Paul lived his life this way. That's why that he, when they stoned him and threw him over the city hill for dead, he could get up and go back to preaching. He didn't see the stones. He didn't feel the knots on his head and his back. All he could think of is I got to tell them about Jesus. I'm telling you, brothers, if you would stone me and throw me over the South Hill of Wellman, I would. If I did live it, I would leave this place and never come back. I would wash my hands of Wellman and I would never look back. I would leave if you all stoned me. But Paul didn't, because he was of a different mind. He. All he could see was through the filter of the Lord Jesus. <clears throat> Give me this mountain. What mountains do you want to conquer? I'll let you figure that out. I don't know your mountains, I just know mine and I have a lot of them. And I and this message was not because I felt like you guys had a lot of mountains you needed to overcome. It's because I am facing mountains and and i'm i'm wanting to overcome them and i want to be like Caleb by the time i'm 85 that i can just raise my hand and say i'll take that hard one God bless you. Amen. i can overcome that hard one if the if the lord be with me i can overcome this one God. i remember one time <clears throat> i heard one of one of Dale Heise's messages, he was relating his testimony. And they had fit, faced some really hard things there in Costa Rica. And <clears throat> I'm not even sure what all the details were. I think he had been removed from being elder there at the church. <clears throat> and the accusation was against him, Dale is patient part of the time. Most of the time, but not all of the time. And he said, you know, I got down on my knees. I was out in the chicken yard gathering eggs one day. And I just, oh, I just, all I could think of is Dale is patient most of the time. But he's not patient all of the time. And he said, I decided right there that if God can help me be patient most of the time, God can help me be patient all of the time. And he said, I got down on my knees and I repented of that. And I decided to overcome that mountain. That's what I want. I'm not patient all of the time. I don't like the cold all of the time. There's a lot of things that I don't do right all of the time. I think all of us would say, most of us and all of us, Probably have a lot of good, we can do good things and we can climb big mountains most of the time, just not all of the time. And I think there's grace for that. I think God would want us to look at those mountains and say, give them to me, Lord, help me, but I'm going to climb it. I'm going to conquer it and I'm going to drive out those enemies. And I think if we would go home and, and if we would memorize Philippians chapter four verses one to nine and tape them on our refrigerator until we learned them until we knew them inside out and we applied them to our lives if i would do that that would help me overcome my mountains may god bless you